Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no! You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. See, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Greetings, all who gather here, and welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is episode 20. My name is Pete. And this is Paul. And I'm Dave. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old-time radio series, episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss either in person or on social media. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, describing it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end and discuss it at length, each of us giving their opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you. Just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not agree with each other. But we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's choice was mine, and that was an episode of The Six Shooter called Britt Ponsett's Christmas Carol, just in case you missed it. This month, it's back to Pete for his choice. So what do you have for us, Pete? To start off the new and hopefully better year of 2021, I am bringing you a classic radio comedy in the form of an episode of Fibber McGee and Molly called Pioneer Days, which originally aired in January 1946. Married in real life, veteran vaudeville entertainers Jim and Marion Jordan first appeared on radio in a series set in a grocery store called Smack Out, which came from the way they always said they were smack out of everything. In 1935, the Johnson Wax Company hired the Jordans to play Mr. and Mrs. McGee, and the show stayed on the air until 1953 with sponsorship from Johnson's for most of the run and Pet Milk for the final three years. The supporting characters in the series were very nearly as popular as the leads, and several spin-offs occurred, the most famous being The Great Gildersleeve. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was the McGee's next-door neighbor. And while Molly always found Gildy to be charming, Fibber couldn't help being rubbed the wrong way by his know-it-all attitude. And so, without further delay, we present Pioneer Days from January 22nd, 1946, and Fibber McGee and Molly. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable... And listen. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, aided and abetted by Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, B. Benaderet, and yours truly, Harlow Wilcox. The writing is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra.
know for a fact that literally millions of women all over the country use Johnson's Glow Coat to give their linoleum floors that shining, well-groomed look. But seeing how easy it is to have lovely floors the Glow Coat way, what beats me is why every woman doesn't take advantage of this easy-to-use wax floor polish. There's no rubbing or buffing with Glow Coat. You simply apply, spread it around, and let it dry. Come back in 20 minutes to find your floors beautifully wax-polished and fairly gleaming, never streaked or uneven. And that tough, shining coat of self-polishing glow coat adds greatly to the life of your linoleum. It keeps its colors and patterns bright and new-looking far longer. Linoleum manufacturers themselves and leading housekeeping authorities recommend glow coat for all your linoleum surfaces, as well as for composition, rubber, tile, or finished wood floors. Why don't you find out what lovely floors you can have in a jiffy with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat? When children run around the streets with toy pistols yelling, bang, bang, you're dead, they call it cops and robbers. But when grown-ups do it, it's Pioneer Day in Wistful Vista. And here, all dressed up for the celebration, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Do I look as silly as I feel in this calico dress and sunbonnet, McGee? Matter of fact, kiddo, you look real pretty. Uh-huh. Regular prairie flower. Hey, where's my sheriff's badge? I gotta have my sheriff... Oh, oh, here it is, here it is. I hope those horse pistols aren't really loaded, McGee. (laughs) You're nice to have hanging around, but I'd rather you did it with your feet on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just got blank cartridges in them. (laughs) Gotta do a lot of shooting when they hold up the bank this afternoon. When who holds up the bank? Oh, didn't I tell you? We're reenacting the big bank holdup of 1897, when Bart Younger and his gang held up the Ranchers National and got away with 20,000 in gold and kissed the banker's daughter on the way out. Did they chase the robbers? Uh, the banker's daughter did. <laughs> yeah, she chased him all over the territory, caught him and made him marry her. After that, he went around the country lecturing on how crime doesn't pay. <laughs> you see, she McGee, was kind of... Huh? Why do you keep leaning over forward like that? I can't help it. These high heel boots got me off balance. <laughs> Have to swing my guns a little farther behind, I guess. <laughs> Tell me more about this holdup. Uh, well, who's doing it? Mort Toops and Wallace Wimpler are going to play the parts of Bart Younger and his brother. Yeah? I meet them in the street as they come out, and I shoot them down dead. Uh-huh. You see, I'm... Come in, stranger. Come in a shooting or come in a smiling. The welcome you ask for is the welcome you get. Oh, I'll rope me for a doggie if it ain't old Doc Gamble. Howdy, Doc. Come in and set a spell, Sawbones. Ma, shove that pile of bar traps away from the fire so's Doc can hunker down and warm his britches. <laughs> oh, stop it, you Saturday matinee cowhand. You're about as western as the Fulton Fish Market. Ooh. I'm willing to go along with this Pioneer Day malarkey for 24 hours, but I'm developing an allergy to blue jeans and bow legs. Even legitimate bow legs, like yours. <laughs> Did you know he was going to reenact the bank holdup this afternoon, Doctor? Mort Toops and Wallace Wimpler are going to play Bart Younger and his brother, Doc. I meet him outside the bank and I shoot him down dead. Going to be newsreels took up it and everything. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Fine, you'll be so busy mugging into the cameras they could walk off with the whole bank. You probably even fancied yourself getting a movie contract out of this. 
Well, now that sure would be nice, wouldn't it, Paul? <laughs> Might stick a big wad of chewing tobacco in your face and tell them you're Billy the Cud. <laughs> All I can say is you better have plenty 45 caliber cork plugs ready today, Sawbones. <laughs> when Sheriff McGee starts throwing lead... Every Boy Scout compass in town is going to be pointing straight at the cemetery. Well, I don't know who first thought up this crackpot idea of Pioneer Day, rum-dum, but it's paying off handsomely for me. I've treated three cases of spur burns, two items of bar stool bursitis, <laughs> and right now I've got a sachet down to the hotel for a strange case of a man with two hearts. Heavenly days, two hearts. Two hearts, two clubs, and one diamond. <laughs> Both the hearts were aces. Ooh. Thing like that can shorten a man's life considerably. <laughs> so long now, Jimson Weed. No, no. Afraid old Doc hasn't got any romance in his system. He thinks this Pioneer Day celebration is kind of childish. Well, I'm inclined to agree with him, dearie. I know I'll be glad to get out of this long calico skirt. Why? <laughs> Every time I look down and can't find my feet, I get panicky. <laughs> when do we go downtown? Anytime now. The bank hold up a sketch to start for any minute. Get ready to crouch and draw, partner. That knock ain't familiar. <laughs> Stand in front of me, Ma, so as I can draw a bead on the varmints over your shoulder. Use both guns then, Paul. Always one of my ears pierced for earrings. <laughs> Come in. Well, what do you know? Mr. Oldtimer. Hello there, kid. Well... <laughs> Well, I'm glad to see you again, old-timer. I hear you've been in the Navy all this time. In the CBs, Johnny. That's the men's department of the Navy. <laughs> well, you're just in time to celebrate Pioneer Day in Wistful Vista, Mr. Oldtimer. Pioneer Day, eh? Yep. Wondered why everybody was wearing them high heel boots and sombreros. Reminds me when I first come to this town nine to 50 years ago. Come out with a Lewis and Clark expedition. Horse feathers. The Lewis and Clark expedition was in 1803. I says Lewis and Clark, Johnny. Huh? I come out with my brother Lewis to Clark in his grocery store. <laughs> well, I guess you were sort of a pioneer here at that, weren't you, Mr. Oldtimer? Daughter, I was one of the founders of the town. I'd have been here even earlier, but I caught the wrong schooner. Mine had a Mickey in it. <laughs> Well, how'd you like the Navy, old-timer, frankly? Frankly, Johnny, I could take it or leave it. I could take it just about as long as I did and leave it with a glad cry. Had <laughs> yep. about all the bossing around from Gold Braid I could stand. <laughs> you mean commissioned officers? No, I mean them blonde gals around the dock. Oh. <laughs> you know me, kids, I'm a man's man till a woman shows up. Then I'm a girl's boy. <laughs> Any girl's boy. <laughs> By the way, whatever became of your girl, Bessie? Bessie? <laughs> Bessie. Bessie, Bessie. Uh, was she the one with a big bay window that she used to wave to the fellers out of? <laughs> or, uh, was Bessie the little one that always carried the bunch of flowers so she could thumb her nosegay at you when you... Oh, shucks, kids, I don't remember Bessie. <laughs> well, you always were getting engaged and unengaged to different ones, Mr. Oldtimer. You've broken more hearts than the man who cuts the celery at the Why Pay More cafeteria. <laughs> That's pretty good, daughter, but that ain't the way I hear it. <laughs> When I hit it, one fella 
says to tell a feller, says, if these strikes keep up, it's going to be a long time before you can get a new car, ain't it? Yep, says t'other feller, but it's a great thing for the shoe industry. The pedestrians live so much longer. <laughs> See you later, kids. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra and my shawl. Movie set. Yeah, some of us characters are just as quick on the trigger, too. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Molly, Molly, Molly. Get a load of old lady Carstairs in the Pioneer costume. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Ain't she a dish? Makes her look a little stout, doesn't Ooh. it? Ooh. And if you make any remarks about a pig in a poke bonnet, I... Oh, no, no, no. I never thought of anything making... Well, this... hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. How do you do, Mrs. McGee and Mr. McGee? Never mind the Mr. Ma'am. I ain't no dude. You're addressing the sheriff of this here town... Homestead and hereabouts, are ye? Why, sure, Paul. The Carstairses was right early pioneers hereabouts, wasn't they, Miss Carstairs? Oh, yes. <laughs> Grandpapa was a favorite with the Indians. He wore toupees, you know, which made scalping him a very simple operation. <laughs> In the Cherokee Indian language, he was known as Old Cabin Keep Getting New Roof. <laughs> Never cotton much to redskins myself, ma'am. Even now, a coat of sunburn makes me reach for my Remington. <laughs> Paul, tell Miss Carstairs about the time you and Kit Carson met the Apaches at Sidewinder Gulch. I don't recollect any such story, Ma. It ain't a matter of memory, Paul. It's a matter of imagination. Oh, oh sure it is. Well, sir, ma'am, it was just about sundown in the foothills of the superstitions in the heart of the Apache country. Me and Kit Carson was sitting around the water hole when all of a sudden, 
Nothing happened. <laughs> that made us suspicious. <laughs> so we looked around, and there surrounding us on all sides was 200 Apaches. Good heavens, Mr. McGee, how interesting. What'd you do, Paul? Kill them off? Nope. Kit started talking sign language to them. Sign language? Yep. First, Kit says, there's a Ford in your future. <laughs> and the Indian swips right back with, standard stations have clean restrooms. <laughs> so Kit says, grade crossing ahead. And the Indian says, Ever tried Johnson's wax on floors and furniture? <laughs> well, sir, we knew we had, they had us there. <laughs> on account of we didn't have any floors or furniture, so we clumb onto our cayuses and rid back to Fort Dodge. You know, I always wondered what was meant by sign language. Oh, Paul was expert at it, Miss Carstairs. Him and Wild Bill Board Hickox. You gotta be going now? Uh, yes, yes, if you'll excuse me. I, uh, must be getting down to the tailor shop. Having some clothes made, Millicent? Uh, not for myself, my dear. I'm having a little pair of blue jeans made for my fox terrier. Blue jeans for your fox terrier? What's the idea, Karsty? Oh, it's just in the spirit of Pioneer Day, Mr. McGee. Huh? I thought it would be appropriate if his wagon was covered. <laughs> seen you. Good day. <laughs> oh, brother, if his wagon was covered. <laughs> Did you ever hear a worse joke? No, but I bet we will in the next three minutes. Yeah. Incidentally, just where are we going, McGee? Down to the Bonton department store. Now, that's across the street from the bank. You see, in the old days, the Bonton was the last chance saloon. Real rugged joint. Oh. Now, when the bank hold-up starts... I step out from the door and I start throwing lead right at him, see? Then the best. Heavenly days, what's that? <laughs> it's across the street there. Guy in the frock coat and checkered vest in the back of that buckboard. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. He's probably selling Princess Mahula's marvelous snake oil for man and bees. Come on, let's go over there. up to the tailgate while I expound the wonders of this magic product. Absolutely and positively the greatest discovery of the modern age. Wilcox! What on earth is he selling as if I couldn't guess? Hurry, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Step right up with your money in your hand. Each and every one of you will want a container of this marvelous labor-saving preparation. The scientific discovery that makes your life worth living and your home worth living in. Go ahead and ask the man, Grandma. <laughs> Is it good for corn, son? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that, Mother. This amazing product is wonderful for corns, bunions, and housemaids' needs. It brings such relief from housework that such small ailments are completely forgotten in the joy of living. Get your container of Johnson's Wax before we're sold out, folks. Try it on your floors, furniture, woodwork, harness and saddles, rifle, butts, and luggage. See how it protects, preserves, and saves you hours of housework. And now, while I pass among you with this marvelous invention, and remember only nine containers to a customer today, <laughs> Hambone will play a few musical gems on his old banjo. Hambone, if you please. Yeah. Just a minute there, Flicker. Just a minute there. Hold on there. 
Sheriff. Yeah. Get the horses ready, Hambone. What's the matter, Sheriff? Well, Paul wants to know if and you got yourself a peddling license for this here medicine show, stranger. License, ma'am? You hear, Kirek, stranger. Failing you got a license, I got to take you to the calaboose. I represent the law hereabouts. We don't aim to have no fly-by-night drummers taking trade from the local merchants. We aim to build a little church in this here valley. <laughs> Come now, son. Do I see your license or do you see our hooskow? I'll see you later. Let's go, Hambone. Hit the trail. Why, you was aiming kind of high, weren't you, Paul? <laughs> yes, Ma. Didn't want to wing the young'un. He might grow up to be a useful citizen yet. <laughs> what time you think it is? Well, I can't tell, Paul. Can't see the sun on account of this here sunbonnet. Yep. Often thought of getting me a pocket watch. But shucks, they're all made way back east, and they got different time back there. That's <laughs> <laughs> down. Oh, look, he, look, here comes Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Oh, hi, Wimp. Hello, folks. <laughs> My, isn't this Pioneer Day exciting? Yeah, you betcha. You all set to reenact the bank holdup, Wimp? Oh, yes, indeed, Mr. McGee. Good. Mark Toops and I were going to dash up on our horses, oh. but we're coming in his Buick instead because horses always make me sneeze. <laughs> we're both going to wear bananas over our faces, you know. Bandanas, Mr. Wimple. No, bananas, Mrs. McGee. We throw the skins down to foil pursuit. <laughs> Sweetie Face going to be watching the scene, Wimp? I'm sure I don't know, Mr. McGee. She may be too tired from her dancing to come downtown. Dancing, Mr. Wimple? She taking a dancing lesson? Well, I suppose you might call it that, Mrs. McGee. One of the power lines fell down in that windstorm last night, and Sweetie Face tried to pick it up this morning. <laughs> when I left, she was still hanging onto it and dancing around like everything. Oh, my gosh, Wimp, she might be electrocuted that way. <laughs> yes. Is she still uh, mistreating you, Mr. Wimple? Oh, we have our little moments, Mrs. McGee. She gets impulsive, and I lose my temper, I'm afraid. Oh. Last night, after one of our arguments, I went downtown and bought five pounds of raw meat. Well, good for you, Wimp. Did you eat it all? Oh, no. I put it on my eye, Mr. McGee. <laughs> well, goodbye now. I'll see you at the bank. <laughs> You know, McGee, one of these days, Mr. Wimple is going to hold turn it, on... Hold it, hold it. Look yonder. Here comes Panamint Perry Bodkin and his pitch pipe posse. Must be a trailing somebody. Here they come, riding hard, chasing rustlers across the prairie land. Yahoo! Sheriff's man, lost the trail, lost the trail of that cattle rustling band. Whoa! Which way did they go? She says they went that away. Oh, they went that away. Which way did they go? They went that away. Which way did they go? They went this away, that away, where away, there away, that away. Bandits robbed the stage and drilled the sheriff, stole ten grand in gold. Get them, boys, before the trail gets cold. Which way did they go? They went that away. Which way did they go? They went that away. Which way did they go? They went north away, south away, east away, west away, that away. 
I told them to focus on my left profile. I told them to focus on my left profile on account of because, well, howdy there, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, more curtsy to the mayor. Howdy, Your Honor. You're as welcome aside as on branded steer. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. All set for the bank hold up the trivia? Got my holsters tied down and my trigger <laughs> fingers itching. <clears throat> you sound very authentic as a sheriff, McGee. Yes, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> Uh, had any trouble so far today? Nary a mic, Mr. Mayor. Folks been giving old Two-Gun McGee a wide berth. Needs one, too, the way he rolls around in his sleeve. <laughs> incidentally, incidentally, McGee, how did you get appointed sheriff for today, anyway? How do you mean? What do you mean, how did I get appointed? I thought up this whole bank robbery stunt, didn't I? Who should ought to have observing it better than me? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was merely asking, McGee. Oh. I guess you were the one who remembered that the James boys once held up this bank. Oh, no, no, uh, not the James boys, Mr. Mayor. Uh -huh. Bart Younger it was. Yeah. Bart Younger and his brother, Much. <laughs> Much was the older Younger. How was that again, McGee? <laughs> I says Bart Younger was the younger Younger. Much was older. Much older? <laughs> yeah, Much. You say that the older younger was much younger? Yeah. Well, if the older younger was much younger, how could the younger younger have been much? I mean, older. I mean, if the older... Well, you see, it's like this, Your Honor. Bart, Bart the younger younger yeah. was quite respectable at first. He was even an elder in the church. Yeah, yeah. Just the younger younger was an elder. The elder younger... Oh, wait. <laughs> Wait a minute, please. Now, let me get this straight. Oh, of course. Uh, what don't you understand, Mr. Mayor? Any of it. <laughs> you say there were two younger, Bart and Much. Exactly. Much was the older younger. The younger younger was the elder. Well, if the younger younger was an elder younger, how did the older elder, uh, Much younger, I mean, if Bart was not an elder, simply older than the younger younger... Which is to say that the elder... Ah, you're getting it now. Go on. This doesn't make sense. Just because a man is an elder doesn't make an older younger. Uh, I mean, the younger brother... Much? 
Much was younger than older. Uh, younger. Younger than the elder. The older was the... It was the man. It was... It, it, McGee. Will, uh, will you excuse me? I, I wish to make a telephone call. Oh, important, Mr. Mayor? Yes, yes. I want to call Abbott and Costello. What? I want to know who's on first. Good day! gets as easily confused as he does ever got to be mayor. Oh, well, the trivia, he's a simple soul. He just don't... Oh, my gosh, time for the holdup. Look, there's the newsreel cameras. Everything is set. Shall I wait here with you? Sure. We're just using blank cartridges now, Molly. One side there, please, folks. One side. I'm playing the sheriff, Mr. Oh, there goes the robbers into the bank. Yeah, they'll be lucky to get out with the money they got on them. You can't fill your fountain pen in there without three co-signers. <laughs> Now take it easy, folks. Take it easy. Give me elbow room. Now, when I come out, I'm a coming out of shooting. Get them, Pa. Here they come. Who'd you say them bandits was? Mort Toops and Wally Wimple. Well, don't look like either one of them was Mr. Wimple to me. Too big in the... Ah, there we go. Drop them shooting irons, you varmints. It's Sheriff McGee talking to you. Drop them weepings, I tell you. I'm the law in these parts, and I am... Heavenly days. Ooh. That was a real bullet, McGee. They broke the bomb town window. Oh, holy. Well, what about Sam? $80,000. Oh, no, Ryston's place. It's a clean getaway. Hey, who thought up this dumb stunt anyway? My name is McGee, the little twerp that played the sheriff. Why are they all Hey, come on, Molly. Come on, Molly. Let's get out of here. I'm going to get home and form a possum. You mean a possum? No, possum. I'm going to play dead for a few I've been telling women about the wax method of housekeeping for many years, so when I visit a home, I naturally look to see if it's wax protected. It doesn't take an expert to tell, either. There's an unusual charm, a certain lustrous, mellow beauty about a waxed home that seems, the minute you enter it, to sing out, I'm wax polished, I'm sparkling, and I'm proud of it. All through the home, floors gleam with a shining cleanliness. Tabletops and chairs and woodwork, when Johnson waxed, have a lovely satin-smooth luster that adds tremendously to their natural beauty. Ornaments, picture frames, and other accessories are richer looking. Fact is, that invisible protective film of Johnson's Wax, plus tasteful arranging, can make the difference between a lovely, bright, and shining home and an ordinary run-of-the-mill one. And besides the beauty it gives, that tough, shining film of Johnson's Wax is mighty important because it protects lovely surfaces against wear, dirt, and spill things. Make your home a lovelier place to live in with Johnson's Wax, paste, liquid, or cream. Did you hear what happened after the robbery? No, I've been afraid to even stick my head out the door far enough to get the evening paper. What happened? Well, the sweetie face found Mr. Wimple and Mr. Toops tied up in Wimple's garage. Yeah? They told her what happened, and she chased the robbers on her motorcycle and caught them at the county line. Ooh, did she bring them back? Yeah, but not alive. You mean sweetie face? 
Oh, but that's murder. She can't do that. Taking the law into her own hands like that, why, that's terrible. That's... McGee. Huh? McGee, don't get so excited. It's just a radio show. Oh. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. Where'd they go? Sung by the King's Men was written by Perry Butkin. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax products for home and industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. back with old time radio essentials this is dave with paul and pete and that was pioneer days an episode of fibber mcgee and molly originally broadcast on january 22nd 1946 on the nbc red network pete this was your selection for this installment what made you choose it well frankly i've been promising to bring a, an episode of fibber mcgee and molly for a while and uh, things kept happening to prevent that so um i figured it was finally time i had this um show on a cassette that I got a couple of years ago and uh, transferred it to digital. And when I listened to it, I just loved it. It's so funny. Uh, it starts out from the very beginning with uh, one gag after another. It's rapid fire comedy, just wonderful personalities in the show all the way through. Fibber McGee, of course, he talks all the time and he's bragging all the time and he fails all the time, but he never loses his optimism. Molly, his weary wife, who, who loves him to death and, and indulges him, even if she knows something's going to be a disaster. And then all the other characters through that. It's just, I love this series. I haven't, I've heard a lot of episodes, but I haven't heard all of them. I never really liked, to digress a little bit, we mentioned Gildersleeve. I didn't really like the Gildersleeve years and never listened to the great Gildersleeve myself, uh, just out of personal choice. But um, the rest of the characters I love, Doc Gamble and the mayor and uh, the old timer. Uh, who <laughs> you, may, you may have noticed when the old timer said certain things, the audience went crazy. And we'll go in. I'll go into that a, a, it, more in depth in a little while. But I wanted to pass the hat to Dave or Paul, whichever one of you want to say. What did you like or didn't like about it? Well, um. Of course I like it. It's Fibber, McGee, and Molly. How can I not like it? I'm They're representing. Um, I say that because Fibber, McGee, and Molly were originally from Peoria, Illinois, Yay! which is where I'm from. Right across the river from me. And so they weren't too far from here. And it's so funny when you read over their history a bit and they start mentioning different places. I'm like, I know where that's at. Wait a minute. I know where that's at. You know, I just saw... Um, looked it up uh, back in 87, I think it was. They had an article with... His uh, nephew, one of one of uh, uh, Fibber McGee's nephews, and how he had a collection of all the Fibber McGee and Molly stuff at home to try and remember it. And you know, this is back in, like I said, I think it was '87. And even then, he was saying how it's it's a shame that there isn't more of a memorial or something in Peoria to Fibber McGee and Molly, considering you know they were like one of the most successful couples to come out of the Peoria area. And there, there's really not much, you know, and nothing's really changed since then, if even less, you know, because 
the further it goes on, the less people there are to remember that stuff. You know, the fewer there are of us who actually enjoy the old time radio programs. And so it's really thinning the herd to where it's like, oh, look, we're going to build a statue to Fipper McGee and Molly and 99 out of 100 people are going to go, who? <laughs> so, and that's that's the downside. But it's it was good to see them, you know, somebody from here become successful. And not only were they successful, they were that successful. When it comes to radio, I mean, if you're naming off the big radio programs from the days of radio, easily in everyone's top ten, Fibber McGee and Molly's going to be in there somewhere. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it, it doesn't matter if you are a huge comedy fan or not. I mean, just for the quality, the duration, um, the range of it and everything – Fibber McGee and Molly is going to fit in just about everyone's top 10 list. And it deserves to be there as far as I'm concerned. Um, this was a very good episode. It had, like, like Pete was saying, ba-ding, 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 ba-ding. Just that, that great rapid fire delivery and jokes and everything. The only downside, I thought, on this one was, unless I dozed off somewhere in the middle, they never did do the closet. Well, they didn't do it every episode. Well, that's true. They didn't yeah, do it, it every it was, episode. It, it was famous, but it wasn't... Uh, one in in every episode that would have just gotten tiresome. It was just like that's you know, like when is it going to happen? Nobody knows when it's going to happen, and then mm-hmm. so it was a surprise for the audience. But yeah, excellent, excellent episode. Yeah, I don't have the the personal connection to Peoria that you guys do, but um, I grew up downriver, a little town called St. Louis. But uh, I think I heard of that. Yeah, it's got a it's got a little bit of industry left. Uh, they make wasn't that a fur trading outpost? That and, and like watered down beer mostly, um, the main industry. <laughs> but oddly enough, this one I did not grow up listening to a lot of OTR comedies, but Fibber McGee and, and Molly and Duffy's Tavern, as odd as this may sound, I had like a sense of nostalgia about them because when I first got into collecting OTR on cassettes and CDs back in the, the mid nineties, I used to drag along like a, a little bag full of them when I visited my grandparents because I thought this is something they'll enjoy kind of revisiting and i was always trying to steer them toward like the weird stuff that i was into you know like the mysterious traveler and suspense and stuff like that the stuff that had kind of creepy stories but the stories they always wanted to hear uh were like the comedy variety shows so they they loved duffy's tavern they loved fibber mcgee and molly and i remember there was one particular christmas we uh you know we used to get my grandpa's big buick and we drive around kind of the wealthy suburbs of st louis to look at the christmas lights and I remember there was one year I, I happened to have all these tapes with me, and I happened to have a collection of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, and they were just so excited to listen to it because they hadn't heard it in you know decades. And so it was like a nice blast from the past for them, and like a nice you know a nice memory I have of my grandparents who are you know no longer around, unfortunately. And uh, so this one is uh, even though I, I'm I'm largely unfamiliar with Fibber, McGee, and Molly, it, that's like the personal connection for me, as it was like a nice bonding moment for between me and my grandparents when I was a little, when I was a little kid. Nice. But very nice. Yeah, but to talk about this episode in particular, um, I mean, I, I will say that like my kind of go-to sitcoms from this era are the ones that don't have that variety aspect to it. Like they don't have like the the music breaks and things like that, and maybe not quite as many like sponsor breaks either. This one had quite a few of the um, plugs for the the wax for Johnson Wax, I think it was called. So I'm I'm more likely to listen to like our Miss Brooks or. Or now that I'm I'm acquainted with Life with Luigi as of a couple months ago, that's another one that I'm I'm pretty fond of. But I like listening to this, like I said, co- sort of comedy variety. 
sort of combinations. It seems like a lot of the sitcoms from that era couldn't really decide whether they were straight sitcoms or whether they had to have like a variety element to it. And uh, not really sure why that was, but you know, the actual sitcom component of this, I like a lot more than the, uh, the music breaks. So I, I like the line, one in particular that I wrote down, uh, you've broken more hearts than the man who cuts the celery at the cafeteria really uh, <laughs> tickled me. And so I, that's what I'm probably going to, I'm going to work into my uh, personal uh, <laughs> comedy vocabulary going forward, even though nobody goes to cafeterias anymore. They're kind of a thing of the past, but yeah, one of my favorite <laughs> lines from a Fibber McGee episode wasn't in this one and nobody will get it nowadays except maybe you two and a few <laughs> of our listeners. But uh, somebody asked Fibber, are you serious? And he said, I ain't Roebuck. <laughs> oh, I totally missed that one. The fr- oh, oh, that's right. You said that. that it wasn't in this, in this episode. Yeah, it still took me a second. Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? I ain't Roebuck. So, and and I've never been able to use that line except maybe once in my entire life. Somebody asked me, "Are you serious?" And I said, "I was right there. I was ready for it. I ain't Roebuck." And that <laughs> did they, stopped the conversation they, right there. Nobody's like, did they give you the dog what, stare? What? <laughs> Uh, hey, did they give you the dog stare when you said that? They just kind of looked at you and the head turned a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So uh, getting back to um, the in-depth stuff, everybody quoted Fibber McGee and Molly stuff. Uh, when I was growing up, I would hear Bugs Bunny say things like, is that you, Mert? Oh, how's every little thing? That's from Fibber McGee and Molly. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the the telephone operator. Uh, and and Fibber would have very funny conversation, one-sided conversations with Mert, and say things, and and it would it, everybody would think that it was something, either either slightly dirty or or off color. But he'd come back at, after that, and, and Molly would say, "Well, what'd she say?" And so he would explain it, and it was just hilarious because everything that he was saying had a completely different t- context when he explained it. So. Um, when you hear, you would hear things uh, in the old cartoons, and it would be quotes from old radio shows, and and that's what they did because radio was so invasive to our society, but in, in in a really wonderful way, of course, because it was entertainment. In this case, with the old timer, like I said, you may have heard somebody say, "That ain't the way I heard it." Well, that's that comes from the old timer, and that comes from Fibber McGee and Molly, and it was always so when he said. <laughs> That's a good one, daughter, but that ain't the way I heard it. Everybody, the the audience just exploded with laughter because they knew something really funny was going to happen because that's, so one way I heard it, one feller says, the other fellers, hey, say, he says, and then he tells the the joke and it's just crazy funny, Uh, usually very corny, but still, you know, very, very funny, so. That's what I love about this show, because as you listen more, what you listen to the audience reacting, and you know that they are primed by these particular lines that are always repeated, that something funny is going to happen. The mayor is, was, uh, uh, you've heard of the phrase spoonerism. A spoonerism is uh, uh, where people get their words mixed up, and they'll say the first letter of the, of the, of the next oh. word by mistake. Uh, instead of conquering kings, they might say kinkering kongs or something like that. The mayor was always guilty of, of getting confused. And then what's funny is that Molly always got in on that um, attacking the mayor <laughs> with with these. And then this is no exception. And they're talking about, oh, 
I, I can't remember what it was, but because um, I've heard so many of them and so many different arguments. But uh, it's it's the mayor says something. Fibber asks a question for clarification. Molly asks a question for clarification. They're going at him, hammer and tongs. The mayor gets all confused, and he says, and then he loses his temper, and it's this long string of spoonerisms. And then he takes a deep breath. <sighs> McGee. So he calms down, and then he says, McGee. And that always gets a laugh, because that is what the audience is primed for. And, and it's just, that's what made this show so beloved, was the... Uh, familiarity the audience had with it, its popularity because of that and the uh, and the wonderful characters uh you heard the mayor you heard the old timer you heard mr wallace wimple uh talking about his wife sweetie face <laughs> and he was like you picture him like it and it was the same guy who did the droopy cartoons mm-hmm. who played the character droopy hello so <laughs> wonderful voice and so his wife is always getting the best of him so you always hear those things on these shows, and that's what makes them so popular. Even you – now, you complained about the spots, but the, the, the commercials were designed to be entertaining as well. Yeah. Because Harlow Wilcox would go on and on and on, and then Fibber would say, uh, Waxy, and that was his nickname for Harlow Wilcox because he sold the wax, uh, Waxy. <laughs> and so that it would go from the commercial to a gag, and so – and that is why I brought you the Fibber McGee and Molly today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like a lot of the biggest laughs on these old uh, radio comedies are from like the self-referential kind of meta jokes, like where they they're ref- like, you know whether it's like Fred Allen Fred Allen referencing Jack Benny or vice versa, or um, sort of like the callbacks to like catchphrases and stuff like that. Because uh, the stuff that made me the laugh the most out of this were like the silly one-liners and those. I was listening to the audience reactions and those didn't get the kind of reaction that the jokes got from me. But I guess that's because, you know, those sort of references were of their time. And I guess that some of them just didn't translate to You're me. Listening you know? some 70 years later and right, so right. landing on you differently. <laughs> right. Damn it, man, I, that's no excuse. I, I love the premise, though, <clears throat> the pioneer days and, and uh, um, Fibbert going around as, as the sheriff and. <laughs> why uh, Molly asked why you have all bent over in the middle all these dad blame high heeled boots got me all <laughs> guess, I'll, guess I'll shift my guns a little farther back yeah, you I know? shift my gun to the back <laughs> you remember the joke about the uh, the pocket watches that was one of my favorites as well where he uh, I won't be able to repeat it you know word for word but he says something about how he doesn't get pocket watches because they're all made back east and they, you know they have different times over there <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the that's the comedy I like. There were that's so many I was laughing so hard I'd miss the next joke because I was laughing so. Oh hard. yeah, <laughs> uh, so I remember hearing that, but I was busy recovering from the previous gag. That was just uh, yeah. To me, this was one of the funniest I've heard in a long time, and and I love how Molly got involved with it. Uh, with her, she was putting on the pioneer woman voice. Come on, Paul, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> To, to interrupt myself, there are a lot of famous voices in this episode. Uh, Arthur Q. Bryan, who played uh, Doc Gamble, was also the voice of Elmer Fudd. Uh, Gail Gordon, who played the mayor, was the principal in Armas Brooks. Oh, right. The guy who played uh, Wallace Wimple was the one who played Droopy in the cartoons and so on. And Harlow Wilcox, of course, who was... Also, the spokesman for Suspense when they did the Autolite commercials. And he had pretty much the same personality in that 
you really believed that he loved Johnson's wax the same way you believed he loved the Autolite <laughs> products on suspense. I knew I recognized that name. It yeah, yeah. Harlow Wilcox. Hey, Harlow. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's like in the uh, Jack Benny days. You, you really got to where, you know, uh, advertisements can be annoying, but you used to like the J-E-L-L-O because it would just, you know, bring it in with the storyline so much and joke about the whole thing and wrap it up that I, you know, it's like hearing those ads in there, it's like, yeah, I got no problem with that. I kind of wish they would almost do that with television shows today. I'd like to see them try and pull that off, putting the product, you know, the commercial in the show. Yeah, and that's how how Jack Benny did it, and that's how uh, Fred McGee and Molly did. Fred Allen didn't incorporate the commercials the same way. I think he, he would mention the sponsor, but I don't think they, they made it part of the story the way they did on the Jack Benny show. Doug, you didn't like the music break, so you weren't sure. You said, is it a comedy, is it a variety show? But that was the standard format in those days where right. you'd have a comedy show and they'd break up the jokes with a song and there would be two musical breaks. This one had more. This one had three because they sang that song about which way did he go. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the members of the Billy Mills Orchestra, who was their band, uh, wrote that song because I've never heard it before or since. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, it was a really terrific song. I think it was real uh-huh. fun. It was a fun song. Which way did he go? He went. He went that away. I think is the name of the song. He went that away. Yeah, that's just a, a personal preference of mine. But um, I know that was kind of a, sta- a kind of a standard up until like the seventies, like with like the the Carol Burnett show program that my mom used to be very fond of like watching reruns on tv mm-hmm. i guess i just i prefer like the more straightforward sitcoms i i get the idea of like breaking up the silly plot lines with like you know occasional little song so people don't get like joke overload or something like that and, and the audience went along with it because the music was so good mm-hmm. uh, the billy yeah. orchestra was terrific the uh danny k show had um i think the artie shaw orchestra danny k had artie shaw who was a big name on his own? Oh yeah, the musical accompanist on his show. It's like wow. So yeah, that's yeah. that's a big gun to have. Yeah, for sure. So uh, th- because the music is so good, I think the the audience didn't mind having those those breaks. Right. And because the commercials were so funny, you know, <laughs> it didn't matter uh, so much because that that's what's paying the bills. Right. But really wonderful stuff here. Just so funny all the way through. And I guess unless anybody's got something else to say, let's move on. Anything? Okay. One, just one thing. Nope, too late. <laughs> you heard, Dave, you were saying how you were, you felt like you were almost kind of like laughing more at the points when the audience wasn't, and they were laughing at other points. And yeah. it's a, you're saying how it's a familiarity thing. It, it's a, like I described to people, it's like if you watch a show, a, t- a TV show nowadays, let's say. Uh, Big Bang Theory or something like that, that the characters each have their own personality and they keep that personality episode to episode so you know after a while how they're going to react and you you look forward to the way they're going to react to a certain situation. And that's one of the things that creates a familiarity with the audience and keeps them coming back every week. And they knew that, so they, they had that ongoing thing so it was kind of like hey if you're part of our group you get all these inside jokes because you know we do them enough and it makes them you know it was it was a comfortable comedy almost you could call it that way Uh, by doing you know by knowing how a person's going to react that's why when somebody would say something innocuous you'd be like 
start laughing because you know it's coming. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's one of those, I don't know, would you call that uh, a byproduct of the situation comedy? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Just wanted to bring that part up. That's a good point. Okay, well, let's vote. What are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on A, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Pete, this was your selection, so you go first. All right, I shall. Uh, to me, this was uh, an absolutely uh, perfect uh, representative episode of the Fibber McGee and Molly show. It had the major characters in it. Um, it was uh, a laugh riot from start to finish. The music was really good. Um, and and everybody was just at the top of their game. This is 1946. They'd been on the air for 11 years by this time, so it was just a a nice, a nice smooth operation. The audience was familiar with them. The uh, uh, the performances, like I said, were great. They never, they never phoned it in on Fibber McGee and Molly. It was always you really just everybody was at the top of their game, and they really appreciated what they were doing. I, you could you could tell. Uh, and yes, it does belong in in any collector's uh, uh, shelf for sure. So. Two thumbs up for me. Well, I'm going to have to agree with Pete on this one, which I know that's kind of strange, but <laughs> yes, Fibber McGee and Molly, top shelf all the way. This was an excellent episode, and yeah, I mean, I really don't need to say much more than that. You, you, if you are new to OTR and you're wondering what shows should I really be listening to to appreciate the genre overall? Yeah, you got to have Fibber McGee and Molly in there, as far as I'm concerned. And this is an excellent episode of the series. So if you enjoyed this, you'll enjoy the rest of it. Take my word for it. Go out and get some more. You like it. Take my word for it. What are you sitting here for? (laughs) Yeah, why are you still here? Go out, get some more episodes. So, yeah, two thumbs up for me, too. All right. So I, as I mentioned before, I haven't heard a great deal of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, but as far as I can tell, this is pretty representative. It's it's uh, a little bit of its time, but I think a lot of the jokes are, you know, they they, they don't feel dated. So I, I think this is absolutely representative. Um, I probably wouldn't put it in my personal OTR collection because it's I've got kind of a small bookshelf and it's already kind of crammed with Armis Brooks episodes. But uh, <laughs> but I, I think if if you want to understand that era of of comedy on on the uh, on the radio airwaves, then um, then yeah, you, you need to listen to Pioneer Days and probably um, a lot more uh, Fibber, McGee, and Molly. So I'll give that a sort of a 0.5 or, or a half uh, vote for that. So I guess that's um, that's three votes for representative and uh, two and a half for whether or not it belongs in a, every radio aficionado's collection. Okay, not too shabby. I did want yeah. to do one final shout out. Uh, the old timer uh, mentioned that uh, the CVs were the man's the men's section of the Navy, which I thought yeah. was <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of Navy jokes in this, weren't there? Or at least a few. Hmm? There were at least a few uh, jokes about the Navy in this one, weren't there? Well, yeah, I think the yep. actor, I think they're referring to the actor who had played the old timer must have been uh, away for a while. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just guessing that he was away in, in the Navy. I will point out that there were some... Uh, uncomfortable mention uh, of uh, Native Americans in here, calling them Redskins and things like that. That 
Yeah, that yeah. was a product of its time, and and um, but they did a couple of jokes, and then they moved on. They didn't make it all about cowboys and Indians. It was just pioneers yeah. after that. So mm-hmm. I think they can be excused due to the, you know, due to it being you know 1946 and not uh, 2021 when they made it. Right. Okay. Well, great. I think uh, two two and a half votes for <laughs> collectors is not oh. too shabby. And uh, Pete, I I think we need to start a little I don't know a Kickstarter or something to try and raise enough money so we can get Dave like an external hard drive to where he can start storing some you know old time radio programs in MP3 format instead of having to you know fill up a shelf. Yeah, I, it's mostly eight tracks right now, but maybe. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you are old school, damn. No kidding. That's a funny thing. I, I bet they never did. I bet they never did release old time radio shows on a track. I bet it was it doesn't, all, doesn't seem like the, uh, the LPs and cassettes. I don't think people were cranking uh, OTR a tracks in their you know Mustangs <laughs> or whatever. Up GTOs. Yeah. <laughs> I got my Jensen six by nines cranked up on my <laughs> on my Craig radio. You know, listen to some Fibber McGee and Molly on a track. Check out that old fart over there. <laughs> Okay. Oh my God! Are we going to have to explain eight tracks? No, no, no. Kids, okay. ask your mom. <laughs> you explained them in a previous episode. You remember you talked about how they would always kind of fade out at the end of. Oh them. yeah, yep. and then click, yeah. and then take up. Start, start <laughs> the, the, the song in half. Song. Yeah. yeah, good times. <laughs> okay, great. This brings us to the end of episode twenty of Old Time Radio Essentials. With Dave Feldman, Paul RBC, and me, Pete Lutz. Next time, the cycle would normally come around to Paul again. But, Paul, we're putting your turn on hold for an extra month. What? Oh, okay. That's it. I quit. I'm out of here. Not again. Well, well, don't go yet. Not until you hear the good news. You mean you're quitting? (laughs) No. But that ain't such a bad idea. Uh, No, seriously. Next month, we're inviting the hosts of the Mysterious Old Time Radio Listening Society podcast to join us. Uh, Who are those bums? Paul, they're the hosts of another Old Time Radio discussion podcast that is far more popular and interesting than ours. That's it. I'm definitely quitting and joining their show. Not so fast, Buster. The Mysterious Old Time Radio Listening Society podcast usually covers horror, suspense, and mystery programs, so I invited Eric, Tim, and Joshua to join us so they could discuss a type of show that falls outside their usual purview. Ah, uh, uh, wow. Pete, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, this gesture makes you one of the great humanitarians of our time. Thank you, Dave. Toss my trophy next to the others over there in the corner. So, Paul, can you wait an extra month? Please? <sighs> Well, I guess so. That's great. I'm so relieved. Remember, friends, it's the Mysterious Old Time Radio Listening Society co-hosts joining us next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Dave, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on Apple or any other podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. You can like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. On Twitter, at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at f6.3 at gmail.com. 
That's the letter F, the number six, the word point, and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line. Remember, friends, we're always happy to hear from our listeners, so please do send us feedback and more suggestions. And if you didn't catch our email when Dave spelled it out, look for it in the show notes. Uh, Pete, there's uh, something I want to notify our listeners about. Well, sure, Paul. Go ahead. First off, I want to announce that the next episode of Pete's audio drama horror series, The Cellar, is back with episode 10, and I'm in it. It's an adaptation of Ray Bradbury's story called The Dead Man that was released just last week. Remember, I, I'm in it, so you should definitely listen. And I want everyone to know that Dave is the co-host of another podcast which is centered around the classic Quiet Please radio series, and it's called Quietly Yours. He and his co-host, Matt, are discussing all of the episodes in order of release, and it's really interesting, so you should listen to it even though I'm not in it. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for the plug, Paul. Sorry, Pete, I think Paul just beat you in the great humanitarian department. <laughs> uh, pin the medal on my other chest. <laughs> well, I think we're all providing a valuable public service, so let's line up for our participation trophies, all right? <sighs> okay, it's time to wrap things up. That's it for now, everybody. Join us next time for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now, and Happy New Year! Ciao. Goodbye, 2020. How does he make his voice do that? (laughs) (laughs) Drugs. 63 Audio. This is Mutual. You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day. Or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.